Hey y'all, thanks so much for showing so much love on our previous podcast and you know we hope to run it up again this week as well. Welcome to episode 2, the government says we're equal now. Today we're going to cover the 14th amendment section 1 through 5 and as you know I always got a question for you at the end of every episode so let's get started. Alright, in our previous episode I told you guys that the 13th amendment was passed in 1865 and that Southern states initiated black codes the same year in order to keep black people in some sort of enslavement or use us for free labor. Uh, This episode, we're going to jump into the clap back that the government took against these Southern states. All right, y'all. So according to section one of the 14th Amendment, this is as stated, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subjects to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So basically, anybody that's born here or, you know, were brought over here as slaves, they're all citizens. It don't matter where you live, as long as you're in the, in the United States, you're a citizen. Um, also, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of the law. So basically, the government was like, y'all wanted to start all these black codes? Like, that's a dub. Everybody has to be treated the same. You cannot try to deprive people of basic human, like, needs. Like, that shit is ridiculous. So, that's section one. Therefore, the purpose of the 14th Amendment was to have these Confederate rebellious states follow the letter of the law. Now, the Congress and probably black people and people in the Union probably thought that these southern states were smart enough not to create another loophole around federal law. But as we know today, that did not happen. Now, according to digitalhistory.edu, as we all would assume, the southern states did not want to ratify. As we all know, they did not fuck with us. So... In retaliation to them not ratifying the 14th Amendment, the government issued military rule. So they sent these soldiers down there to make sure, like, shit was going according to their plan. Like, that black um, freed men and women are being treated equal. Not only did the 14th Amendment provide us liberty, due process, equal protection for self and property, it also allowed us to sit on juries, sue our white counterparts, buy and sell property, vote and hold office, carry weapons, attend public schools, sit in the same bus cars as white people, but only under military law. Once the military departed these southern states, it was as if the 14th Amendment didn't exist for us. We had limited rights given to us by the state using the Constitution in their own way. Now, according to our previous episode with the 13th Amendment and the Black Codes, we all know that these Southern Confederate states have always been scheming us and scheming Congress and embarrassing them by creating their own laws. And that was no different in this time, like right after the passing of the 14th Amendment. So before it was Black Codes, but they graduated and we all know the familiar phrase separate but equal. 
Hello, Jim Crow. Okay, so we went over the fact that the 14th Amendment was passed in 1868, but it was proposed to the House Joint Resolution on eight, in 1866. So it took two years for the ratification um for the amendment to be ratified by the states but it was already proposed and passed and by the house and the senate and just needed to be passed by the states but the southern states did not want to ratify this as i have already stated which brings us to the military law now Military rule or military law stayed in place until 1877, so nine years after passing the 14th Amendment, where it came to an abrupt stop, and that's when Jim Crow laws came into place way bigger than ever before, and stayed into place in the South until what we know now as the Civil Rights Era with Martin Luther King and um, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, etc., now, remember when I stated earlier that black codes just graduated to Jim Crow? Well, here's a little history on Jim Crow. Not necessarily the laws, but where the name actually came from. The name derives from a minstrel character that was used to spread derogatory and stereotypical negative attributes of the black community. Now, for those of you who do not know what... A menstrual character is it is ba basically somebody a real-life person um, painting their face with a black face and as I just as I just stated making us seem like something we're not just spreading stereotypical negative derogatory claims about who we are and how people should see us um, these Jim Crow laws were a loophole once again created by the southern states you know, the new black codes, but they follow the guidelines of federal law. Just maybe not to the extent that we wanted them to. It did not integrate society. It only segregated us. And that's probably not what the government intended to do with the 14th Amendment. The Confederate segregation principle was extended to parks, cemeteries, theaters, restaurants, schools, etc., in order to prevent any contact between blacks and whites. And they did not want us to think that we were equal to them. Uh, we were able to live life under the 14th Amendment better than before, but Southern states didn't want to integrate. And as I just said, they didn't see us as equal. So again, black America, were we really free even after the passing of the 13th and the 14th Amendment? Without the government or the military in the South to enforce these laws, the Southern states did whatever they wanted to because who was going to stop them? For example, Plessy versus Ferguson, for those who do not know, it is a famous case that has set precedent on segregation and integration for future generations. Before the Civil War in Louisiana, those who were deemed mulatto or mixed were allowed to sit in white sections. They were passing, so they were allowed to mix and mingle. But after the Civil War in Louisiana, even if you were perceived to have African ancestry, no matter how little, because remember, there is no DNA back then, so it was all just a guessing game, you were referred to as black only. 
Homer Plessy himself was seven eighths white and one eighth black. He decided to sit in a white only train car and would not move when asked by the car attendant. Similar to Miss Rosa, but this is before her time. When he wouldn't move, he was arrested. He proceeded to find a group of lawyers to represent him in this case and his future case against the state of Louisiana. Now, when he went to the district court, they ruled against his contention that the separate car act violated his rights. Therefore, the court said his 14th Amendment rights weren't violated. Yeah, okay. Then the Louisiana Supreme Court ruled against Plessy as well. So he took his case to the U.S. Supreme Court and they ruled against him too. All the bullshit that has occurred over the last 120 years is just ridiculous. While researching this topic, I questioned, and I'm sure you're also curious, why would the highest court of all disagree with Plessy's case? And I'm going to tell you right now. The writer for the majority of the Supreme Court decision, Henry Brown, stated that the separate card act did not abridge the 14th Amendment because the amendment was to provide legal equality, not social equality. He stated that the separate cars do not imply inferiority to the white race and that all accommodations provided to both races are supposed to be equal. But we all know that they are not equally the same as far as style and architecture. We can see that in history photos of water fountains, types of jobs, stores, cars, houses, etc. Again, this is just an example of how the southern states regained their power after the end of military law. Now let's move on to the other sections of this amendment because they are as equally important as the first. Section 2 of the amendment promised that black people were considered a whole person now instead of three-fifths of a person. Therefore, those running for office would have to get the votes of the majority of said city or state or country, and that includes black people. Section 3 of the amendment prohibits anyone who was at war against the union or given aid to those who were to not be able to run for office, either federal or state, unless and only unless permitted by Congress. Whereas prior to this amendment, former slave owners, overseers, bounty hunters, um, all of them were able to run for office. Section 4 of the 14th Amendment basically states that the government decided that they do not have to, and they will not, pay war debts to the Confederate States, and they will not pay slave owners any money for the profits that they would have earned off of us for our free labor after this amendment was ratified. And lastly, Section 5 of the amendment also simply says that the government has all rights to enforce these laws all across America, and we all know that federal law supersedes state law. Now, since we're done with all sections of the 14th Amendment, you know it's my turn to give my opinion. And I feel like during the time that the 14th Amendment was passed, like, Congress was just fed up (laughs) with the Confederate States and their way of making loopholes out of their amendments. The government wanted to make a way for us to really be free and happy and enjoy the fruits of our labor. According to the ACLU, they wanted to achieve racial justice 
And I guess with the procurement of the military in the South, it shows that. But the military was only there for so long. And slavery and racism was alive and well for almost 200 years prior to that. 10 years of military involvement wasn't going to do a damn thing for us, especially if it wasn't continuous. I really do hope that they cared about us. And from what I researched today, that seems to be the case. But I also wonder... If the government felt played and they wanted to get their look back, if they wanted to reverse the embarrassment that they suffered on behalf of the rebellious southern states once they passed the 13th Amendment. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it is something to question. But we all know that this amendment has helped shape our nation, um, creating a society in which there is no permanent underclass to be denied. The American promise and we all stand equal before the law, which I don't wholeheartedly believe. But even after this amendment was passed, were we not underclass citizens still, at least societal wise? Think about that. Now you know I gotta give y'all a disclaimer. Now as I stated at the beginning of this episode, I am just a regular citizen. I am not a lawyer, a judge, or anything like that. I am just here to give you knowledge so you know your history, you know your rights. I don't want to entice any harm, just important conversation. These are just facts, except for, you know, my opinion. I do not believe that everyone in the justice system is particularly good or bad, but I do believe it's best for us to know our rights and our history so we are prepared for anything. Thanks for tuning in today, you guys, and we love open and challenging conversations on our IG at Know Your Rights Podcast. Please like and subscribe, and we will see you guys next week.